first flag since 
that's the situation that's going on at um, the our household at the moment. Virginia's put in 18 months of groundwork, and within four weeks, I've taken over, and I am top of the pile, uh, and loving every minute of it. So, Juniper and I have bonded very closely together, and Virginia is now on the outer and not happy about it. So, I don't know how things are going. I know you're doing a bit of camping in the background. Is that right, Xavier? Oh, last night I did. I got home. I sort of. I use the afternoons to try and get on the phone and I go walking because it's hard with a six and a three-year-old at home. And last night I walked into the backyard and there was a tent pitched in the backyard and Freddie and Francesca decided last night was camping night. And I can't say it was a great night's sleep. They loved it. They were sound asleep for most of the night. But um, it is a, I mean, it's a, it's a unique opportunity. We had a great Easter period, actually. We, we, I sort of put tools down for a little bit. got an opportunity to relax with the family. I actually really enjoyed it. And... Um, it's really nice to spend some quality time with the kids at a time where we always we always feel so busy and we're always doing something and we're always in a hurry. Certainly, if always feel like that, pretend I am anyway. So it's been nice the last the last week's been really nice with the family. Surely, Xavier, you crept inside. You know, at sort of midnight, you crept inside when everyone was asleep and went back to your own bed. Well, I would have liked to. There's that many possums. I could hear that many possums scrummies around in the backyard. I was worried that we might lose Francesca. I mean, she's only three, so I was worried about her waking up in the in the middle of the night. <laughs> I did come in at about 11 o'clock because I, I fell asleep with them when I put them to bed, which is always an issue because then as a parent you wake up at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock and then you're awake, wide awake for the next couple of hours. And I found myself, went inside, did, a, did some little bit of work and then I came out back into the tent and I don't know how I got into KO watching the 2001 great comeback against North Melbourne, but that's where I was at 3 o'clock this morning, unfortunately. <laughs> How's your week been, Hurdy? Yeah, it's been good. Um, yeah, we've, what have we done? We've built a vegetable patch. We've uh, cut some wood. We've, <laughs> oh, we've done a few things around the house. So there's no vegetables are still alive, but we, uh, we built the vegetable patch. But now it's, look, I think, um, you know, as Xavier pointed out, it, it's been really good to spend some time with the family and, and, and as a group. I think um, Easter's a time where you, it's a bit difficult where you can't spend it with your, I suppose, with your, your parents or your grandparents or the, that wider family group. But um, no, we, we managed to get through and, we're through another week, so we're, we're one week yeah. close to the end, which um, everyone should be uh, pretty proud of. And, and on, on family, Hurdy, I, I just wanted to, to ask um, about um, Tom, and there was an article um, on the website about Tom being accepted as a, a Category B rookie um, with the footy club. Can, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, like the, the feeling about that and, and uh, I guess from as a dad and, and seeing him, and, you know, I grew up with Tom around the, the club and for him to be actually be part of the Essendon family and what actually Category B rookie means and, and uh, I guess the, how the family feels about it and you, you particularly. Yeah, look, I think Tanya and I were both pretty shocked, actually, that he chose to go down this path. Um, he'd been going very well with his soccer, uh, both here and, and overseas. So we're a bit taken back that he, he wanted to go down that path. But um, he and Adrian Dodoro must have been concocting some uh, some plan without us knowing. So we're, we're a little bit shocked. But, you know, obviously now he's, he's down that path, fully supportive. And, um, you know, he's training very hard. It, it's interesting to get a look at, you know, what the players are doing now and, and the way they need to train. And the club's been very good in, you know, setting up a, a structure for him. And what I've been very impressed with, not only the, 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 the physical side of things, but you know, the, um, the psychologist has sort of been in touch with, with him a fair bit and also with Tanya a fair bit. He doesn't ring me, which I'm uh, probably because probably he wouldn't know what to work out when he rang me. But um, you just, I think it's good the way the club's looking after the players. Uh, but there'll be a time very soon, Job, where I'm going to have to put him back in his box in a marking contest because he's getting very, very confident <laughs> with, his, with his new body. 
and uh, <laughs> I'm just going to have to, some stage, um, lay down the law because um, I think his uh, his eldest sister's just about had enough of him as well, talking about himself <laughs> and how good he is. So, anyway, it's, it's a good, fun family dynamic. But you know, it's funny how someone is um, is a footballer, but at home they're still a, a little boy. Yeah, well, I, I know all about um, about what it's like and, and being put in, back in your box. I I, um, I remember we were playing a game, um, a preseason game up in um, up in Darwin against the um, Indigenous All Stars, and uh, I think uh, I think it might have been from you actually, Hurdy. It was just a, a handball that was just out of my reach, and instead of keeping my eyes completely focused on the ball, I might have for a split second just glanced. <laughs> It, 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 to what the on, oncoming traffic may have been and fumbled the ball. Um, and then the, the next day I had a call from dad and, um, and he said, oh, you know, like, uh, how, how do you think you went and uh, how'd you pull up and that's, you know, normal sort of stuff. And then he said, oh, there's some, there's some good news and some bad news. Um, the, the good news is that there wasn't many people watching the game. The bad news is the ones that were saw you shit yourself. And then hung up. <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember you telling me a story about you and your old man, similar to that, where you used to come off the ground, and he never used to tell you that you played badly, but he always used to ask you whether you're injured or not when you didn't play well. So it was sort of always like, Joe, how would you feel today? Because you know you, you looked a bit sore. What he was actually saying was, you know, you, you played pretty crap. Is that correct? Or you, you played like shit. That was his way of letting me know. <laughs> Um, nothing like your father to uh, to bring you down to earth. Family members will always give you some honest feedback, which is why it's important to to listen to them. I think. <laughs> well, I'll just give you a quote from from Tom's older sister Stephanie of about two hours ago. Tom, you keep talking about yourself, and I'm sick of it. He'll <laughs> <laughs> love that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's um, yeah, it's it's all good fun. But he, look, he's got a long way to go to answer your question, and you know, hopefully he, he does well. But obviously, there's a lot of hard work in front of him, and the good thing he's a hard worker, and, and he's got a, a lot of support from his family and also from the club. So we'll see how he goes. Has he enjoyed yeah. being down at the footy club, Jim? I think for the three days he was there, Xavier, till the uh, <laughs> till the band came in. But, no, I think look, he's We're really enjoying it. About seven, I think. Yeah, I think he like I think he got two or three weeks down there, but I, I just think he's he's enjoying being part of that. You know, being part of mm. footy club is, is a great place to be, and the the one thing you have to admire football clubs for is that they that they do put a lot of time into their players and, and genuinely care. So um, I think that's mm. um, that's great to see. Mm. Now, Xavier, uh, it's been uh, it's been an interesting week um, for you in terms of um, what's happening at the club. I mean, I know that Lindsay. Uh, sent out that letter uh, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, to all the members. And I just wanted to, to sort of press you on a couple of those things that, that, that he talked about. Firstly was the, um, I keep seeing in the media and in the news that Essendon is going to be an assisted club. But in that letter that you sent to the members, you talk about it being an unassisted club. Firstly, which one's correct and, and what does that exactly mean? Yeah, it's it's a as part of the of obviously what is a, a difficult landscape. The AFL's con, confirmed a lot of funding. You know that six hundred million dollar line of credit through NAB and um, ANZ that uh, allows basically sets up a backstop for the clubs with respect to you know a debt facility basically. Um, you know some clubs have, every club's in a different position. Some are in the middle of facilities. Some are not. Some have raised money for other things. Some have sold assets and things like that. So. 
what we're working through at the moment is um, the sister clubs who ultimately will will access that facility in the short term. They'll need that cash to ensure solvency and that liquidity is important to them um, in the short to medium term as they navigate through. And you know, every club's different. So it's not a bad thing or a good thing necessarily. Um, but what does come with that is quite an onerous reporting uh, reporting requirement um, to the AFL around cash flow statements and things like that. Now, all clubs will be given guidelines to work within, but they're quite strict guidelines for those assisted clubs. Um, for us as a footy club, we're pretty... We're pretty keen to maintain our independence as much as we can, and that means we'll become unassisted, it's certainly for the short term. Now, how long we can do that as a football club, we're in a pretty unique position. You know, we are, unlike any other club, we're halfway through a significant facility expansion, that $20 million expansion, of which we've got a lot of money tied up in that, a lot of money that is earmarked through government or through fundraising that goes toward that facility. It's very difficult for us to just stop um, that facility expansion. There's a lot of challenges around uh, break fees and things like nor, nor do we really want to. We, we, we've got a vision with that facility, albeit the scope of the facility we're challenging and looking to alter slightly based on the changing landscape of you know, sport as a result of what COVID-19 might, the impact of that might be. So for us, you know, we're pretty determined to maintain our independence. We do feel like, you know, rightly or wrongly, it's sort of an aspect of the decision-making indirectly will be, not compromise is the wrong word, but it'll be challenged. And we want to be able to make the decision. We want our fate to be in our hands. And the board and executives spent a lot of time discussing this over the last couple of weeks. But it'll mean we'll have to be pretty creative. We'll have to look at other um, funding opportunities uh, for us as well to ensure we can hopefully see out the full period as an unassisted club. Um, it'll mean more than ever we are you know, very reliant on our key stakeholders, our membership, our, our corporate partners, all those sorts of things to ensure we get through. Um, it's going to be challenging. And, and we still, you know, there's so much we just don't know yet. We don't know the, the size of the challenge financially and commercially because we just don't know what the season looks like. But that's sort of a decision we've made. And um, there's a lot of modelling we're still doing to to sort of size up what that looks like and how long we can maintain our under-sister status for. But we're determined to deliver on that. And it feels like um, Xavier, the response from the social media, Xavier, to that unassisted line that the um, the members and the supporters are pretty pretty happy that you're, you're taking it down that line. You know, not trying to be provocative, but but so that there is some um, uh, distance between the decision making of the club and the AFL, um, the ability for the club to make its own decisions. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's important to our members. It's important to the board. It's important to the executive. Not because. It means you're not going to make the hard decisions you have to make in terms of managing your costs and things like that, or your football department within the parameters that the AFL is setting. Like far from it. Like we've, unlike others, we've probably been in a position where we've we've had to to make drastic cost cutting and resizing and reshaping our business um, to move through our previous our previous issues, and that was that was very real and required on two or three occasions. We had to do that through restructuring and you know thinking differently and outside the square. And this time. You know, I think the, the board and the executive have done it and we, we're confident we'll still be able to do it and we'll still work within those parameters because we've got to be careful that if we do fall back into an assisted status, then there's penalty fees that would, would form part of that and our plan is to avoid those fees where we can. But we do, we do want to make unencumbered decisions. We want to make decisions that we feel are in the best interest of the football club that we, that we don't have to second guess because of you know, other approvals from outside bodies. Yeah, Zav, I think that that independence is crucial in being able to, to maintain that independence so you can, you know, you can drive the direction of which where you want to take the club. In, in terms of the, the members and, you know, both Herdy and I have experienced, you know, the loyalty and the passion 
that um, Essendon football supporters are, and particularly the members and how loyal they've been to the club um, over a, a long period of time and, and gone through unprecedented um, circumstances that other you know members haven't had to do so. Um, the the support and the the loyalty you know of those members is is called in you know into question again. So it's certainly trying circumstances again. You know how how critical are they to well not only the the support that they provide but but where um, the club would be without them and, and without the, the loyalty and, and what they're able to do for the club. Yeah, I mean it's I want to sound um, emotional about it. like it's just. Without your membership, you literally, you, they're your lifeblood. They are the complete backbone of our football club. You know, we, we have a different um, ownership model to a lot of other sports overseas and, and we are literally owned by our members. They're our major shareholder. And without our members, we, we struggle to make decisions. Like the, the unassisted status, without great support from our membership, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible for us even to be considering that in the first instance. So we've had such great support. I mean, even through the challenges of the, the past, like so many members stayed so loyal despite the fact that the goalpost shifted so much for them during that period and then then they've shifted again now like it's I feel frustrated for them because I know that they're not it's not the season as they thought it would be and I know footy is such an outlet for so many people that it's disappointing that it's not going to be like that and that's why the challenge for us is like how do we try and create it like that as much as we can even like that's why we came up with this concept around a podcast something small but it's a it's an opportunity to connect at a time where that that traditional connection has been taken away um but we're determined to work with our membership base over the next period when we try and work out what the season actually looks like and what are the opportunities for us to add more value you know what are the opportunities for us to to be creative about how we approach the membership challenges because you know members members deserve that and, and they will absolutely get that. Um, but we are we, like, we're really conscious also that a lot of members are facing challenging periods in their personal lives. And, and for that, we you know, we'll encourage those members to talk to the footy club without doubt. Like that's very important to us as well. They're part of the Essendon family. But and a membership is just you know it's always been important. And but this point in time, it's never been more important. Yeah, and I mean, we would love to have those those members call in when we can, you know, and, and tell us about what they think about the footy club and how they're going, and and um, we want it to be as interactive as possible. So so get on the line and give us a call. Absolutely, Joe. But I was just going to reiterate that you know we've got a segment of the show where we want to help our members and and help our our people out. So when uh, when the lines open up, we'd love you to ring in and and tell us how we can help with it with um, different different angles, but. When we talk about our members and our supporters, guys, one of the, uh, the members and supporters' favourite was a guy called Joe Masidi, who played uh, pretty much with me my whole career, came up through uh, Keeler Park um, and uh, played in the 93 Premiership and 2000 Premiership. And we've got him on because the fans and supporters love him and he was a great servant of the Essendon Football Club. But we've got him on a specific reason that I don't think he knows why he's on. But, Joey, you're on the line. Yes, mate, I'm here, buddy. How are you, mate? I'm good. How uh, how's this uh, shutdown of the world affecting you? And I know you've got a transport business. How are you coping through all that? Oh, we're going all right, mate. Because we're still um, classes and essential service. It's slowing down a little bit, mate. But um, yeah, there's always more we, we can get. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to keep my head above water and just trying to um, yeah, just try to make some fun of this uh, bizarre situation we find ourselves in. And we've got Joe Watts on the line um, right in the show as well, or so that you know. Now, Joe claims that he's he's probably a little bit better than you are um, in that sentiment role, that the best sentiment of the last 40 years. Would you agree or not? Uh, yeah, but I, I reckon maybe he's got that right, but I still reckon I can beat him in a foot race. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't know that they would. Um, they'd bother setting, starting the clocks if you and I started the hundred meter dash, Joey. They might just let it run. <laughs> no, it's probably go for a full minute, mate. After trying to run a hundred meter dash, you and I, mate. <laughs> How many years would you two have crossed over, Joey? You and Joe. Uh, I think it was just a one or maybe two, Joe. I'm not too sure. I'm getting a bit old, mate. My memory's uh, starting to lapse, but uh, there definitely was one there, mate. I mean, yeah, you're both amazing, amazing with the ball in your hand. Sorry, Joe. I'm both amazing with the ball in your hand. But pre-season probably wasn't either of your specialty back in 2003-04, was it? Nah, pre-season. Isn't that a waste of time, mate? Eh? I'm still waiting for someone to invent a pill. Um, all above board. <laughs> you, everyone takes the pill. You're the same fitness, and everyone just goes on natural ability, mate. I reckon that'd be a better way to watch footy. When the balls came out, it was a different story, though, Joey, wasn't it? It didn't, it didn't matter what um, what had happened in preseason. And the balls came out, and the game started. That's what uh, that what counted. No, true, mate. We've seen uh, seen a lot of athletes over my time, mate. That can run a seventeen beat, but when the footies come out, they can't get near it. So I'd rather be a ball winner, <laughs> mate, than an athlete. Now, Joey, <laughs> we've got you on specifically because your your son Josh um, is a very funny uh, fella, and he's, um, he's he's often texted me over the last five or six years some very funny texts. But one of our producers was searching through social media um, over the last week, and you must have been playing, I think, in a game of footy that, that he was watching. And we've retrieved this text which says, from Josh Mercedi to his dad, Joe, bit shaky in front of goal, goal so far, mate, Joe Mercedi, 24. What happens to not kicking off one step? Hashtag Fox footy. To which you've... To which you've uh, text back, very funny, son. There's a big difference, though, mate. I had talent. <laughs> to which Josh Mercedi has tweeted back, going off this game, I beg to differ. Well, well I'll listen here before, Herdy, about uh, young Tom coming through and you've got to put him back in his box every now and then, mate. I'm, it's about time for me to do that, mate. But uh, the only thing different for me is that my son's six foot four and 94 kilos, mate. So I, I reckon he can get the better of me if I try and, uh, try and take him down or any shape or form, mate. So, yeah, but that's all a bit of fun, mate. Uh, social media, it's probably the only thing we can do at the moment is watch... Uh, watch those replays and obviously I, I try and drag him up and uh, sit next to me and I'll try and teach him but he gets bored of uh, me talking about myself for the first 20 minutes and he, and he goes back down to his bedroom, mate. But, uh, but as you know, the young kids, they've got a bit of attitude and a bit of spunk nowadays, which, uh, which I don't mind. Well, just pick any game from the 2000 season, mate, I reckon, and show him you in the centre of the ground feeding the ball out to McCurry and Jason Johnson and Carousella and all these runners and Heffernan. You were in there getting the ball out, beautiful handball. Uh, just let him know that. His old man was a very, very good player and uh, a very, very good teammate. No, no, it was, it was good fun back in the days, mate. Joe and I, we just did the hard work, don't we, Joe, mate? We got it out to the flashy, flashy players on the outside, mate. <laughs> there's only, one, yeah, there's no only two credit. players I've played with who manned up less than I did. And they're on the show. Did you boys have a... you watched a bit of... Obviously, there's been a bit of footy on, on TV and, and Hurdy playing. Have you seen him? He does the when he gives you the loopy handball. So when you actually mark it, you're under that much pressure, they have to give it back to him really quickly, the old one-two. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> so you I to, me... When I was first, uh, when I was first in the, in the centre with him, I used to have to try and explain who, who his man was and why I was on two players and he was running four. <laughs> hey, he wouldn't have cared, mate. Don't worry. There's a bloke called Paul Barnard. The reason he played for Essendon was to pick up my man. But anyway, we can talk about that on another, <laughs> on another day. Hey, uh, Joey, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having a chat to the boys. And if you've 
Got any sort of um, worries about what to show your son? Just uh, what about the 2001 preliminary final, the goal in the last quarter? I think I think that one's pretty pretty high up on the on the list, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's sick of that, mate. I, I put it. I, I sent it to him. I reckon once a week, mate. When all these flashbacks came on, and I think he's blocked me as, a, as, a, as a, to receive messages or whatever on Instagram. So yeah, but that was a while ago, mate. But that was good fun days. Now, nah, fantastic, Joey Massetti joining us on working through it. One of Thanks, the, the bomber legends of recent years. Now we're going to take a very short break here. Don't forget, talk back. It's not far away. If you want to chat to the guys about anything involving Essendon, but particularly if you know of someone, uh, particularly an Essendon member that might be doing it tough, uh, get in touch with us, one three hundred six five two nine two seven. But next, we're going to talk to, maybe I'd describe him as an unsung hero of the Essendon Football Club. This is Working Through It with Xavier Campbell, James Hurd and Joe Watson. And for all those Essendon fans out there, don't forget that there is plenty of new content offerings on the Essendon website, essendonfc.com.au. Don's Digital is keeping you engaged, enlightened and entertained during the break. So as I said, all you've got to do is head to the website, essendonfc.com.au. Hurdy, I might go to you again here because the next guest, it's not Kevin Shee, that's a little bit later on, but someone that is very, very popular with anyone that has worn an Essendon jumper in an AFL or VFL game for that matter. Yeah, Charlie Italia's on the phone, and just a quick intro on Charlie. A wonderful man who was a, who's been a trainer at Essendon. Um, I'm not sure exactly when Charlie started, but when I arrived in 1990, Charlie had already been there for a number of years. Um, Charlie uh, not only used to run water, strap ankles, rub legs, give massages, but was a was a personal confidant to um, to just about every player. And I know every player speaks very highly of Charlie, organised the trainers' night. But there's one conversation that Charlie and I had back in 94, I think, Charlie, which, which pretty much changed uh, my attitude to my career and my football club. We'll get to that later. But, Charlie, how are you? Great to hear from you. Very good. Yep. Thank you, uh, guys. Nice to hear your voices. Joe, what's you your too, best Charlie. memory of, of Charlie? Um, well, funnily enough, I mean, it's... The the combination of the the time and the hours that um, that people like Charlie put in um, to the club and and the selflessness that they um, they have and, and the love that that they have for the players and and for the people and and the football club. But I remember one specific time. It was actually just after we got banned, and um, Charlie reached out to me, and uh, I went over to his place for dinner um, with David Myers and Trap Collier, and uh, just sat in his backyard there, and he, he cooked. Um, a beautiful meal for us, and and just chatted about life and and how things were, were going, and the, you know, like provided some wisdom, and but also showed you know that that care that um, that you see a lot of people who volunteer for the football club and, and are willing to put up time for the football club, and it was just a special um, you know I suppose time and moment for me of of what the football club means to so many people and and Charlie just epitomizes that and and I remember you know him making the effort to, to reach out to me and um and it's something that uh, you know just a, a a time that I really um I cherish and, and a fond fond memory Charlie Thanks, how Dave. are you how are you handling um this this you know COVID-19 and, and how's your business and family life and, and how's it all affecting you I'm sure you've got some yeah family's okay it's hard not seeing the 
not seen the grandchildren. Uh, I've got two at the moment, one one on the way in three weeks. Um, <clears throat> look, it's it's it gets boring at times. I'm running out of things to do. I have a to do list every night to the next day. Um, funny enough, guys, um, uh, in the first time in 34 years, I've had winter off and I can't do anything, can't go anywhere. <laughs> so so uh, that's that's a bit frustrating. Uh, missing footy, missing the guys. I've reached out to a few blokes last night um, via text and see how they're going and trying to get some banter going. Charlie, just in terms of you know someone who who's devoted so much time for the footy club and has such a love for it, like how how is it feeling for you not being able to, to go to the club each week and talk to the players and that that camaraderie of what the um, you know like the locker room has? Um, how, how do you feel with that not being there at the moment? Um, it's like it's like you've lost sort of a part of your like a third of your family type of thing, you know, because you. It is your family. It, 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 uh, there's a lot of love and respect in that in that in that environment, and a lot of fun. And it's a it's a it's a great outlet in life. If, if you've got any worries, you go to the footy club, and no matter what's going on, um, even if you're getting beaten on the weekend, or you come into the into the, into the joint, and uh, and uh, you um, you sort of start having some banter and a few laughs, and and everything's uh, great. So um, I'm really sort of. Uh, yeah, really missing it. You know, when the season finishes, I, I sort of um, go beauty. At, you know, that one season's gone. Another six months to go before it starts again, and then by Christmas time, you start really sort of uh, missing the guys, uh, especially the guys. Yeah. Um, Joe, I, I just wanted to remind you that um, that uh, you know when you were five years old and running around Windy Hill after Dad played, we used to have after matches. Um, I used to give you a bit of a clip over the ear because you were a bit naughty there with uh, <laughs> uh, Woody, Woody Reed and, and, and Stephen Danaher. And, and then when you came to the club as a player, I sort of reminded you and you said, yeah, you remembered. And I thought, well, let's, let's bury the hatchet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and Charlie, and Charlie, who... Do you, who, do you, who so who, who had who had harder legs to? Uh, I know Jason Johnson was very. You were very close to Jason. Jason used to come yep. to your house, you know, for dinner and used to rub him. But he would have had pretty tough legs. Who was tougher to, to massage, Job or Jason, or was there anyone else? Uh, no, I reckon Dean Wallace had the worst legs in the world. He had so much scar tissue in those in those hemis that they were they were uh, they were uh, uh, real tough. It was like uh, massaging uh, planks of wood. Um, Joe, your dad Tim had big, big legs, big calves, and they were they were challenging. Every time you massaged them, you you certainly uh, felt though you you've been through a uh, through a workout. Um, massage wise, um, guys, I don't know if you two realised that is that you two I've massaged you two for most of your games, and you're both coincidentally uh, wanting that spot second after the coaches' meeting. Did you know that? Second after the meeting, that. Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Charlie, gave enough time just on after Sheeds' meetings to go into the change and get changed and come out. That that was the reason for second half of the meeting. But I remember getting off the bench after every every massage. You know, thirty minutes before a game, and you'd say, "You're going to play well. You're not going to play well. You you're a bit, and you were pr- pretty much right ninety percent of the time based on the massage how you thought I'd play. I, I played pretty much." Uh, in direct correlation yeah, I, to that, which I thought I never, was pretty I never ever told you, you we wouldn't play well. I just said, if, if your legs feel real good or your legs feel okay. And that was the difference. <laughs> a couple of times you said they don't feel too good, and you were right. 
<laughs> Charlie, what about the, uh, we're talking about massaging. There, there is a, a famous story which I'd like you to share about one day when you had to, to massage someone's ego and, and just bring them down a little peg. Um, <laughs> do you mind telling the audience about this? Oh, um, look, uh, when James, a guy called James Heard uh, arrived at, <laughs> at Windy Hill, um, uh, for some reason, him and I uh, clicked pretty quickly, and he was 18, and I don't know, I was, I was in my 40s, and um, uh, we, we got on pretty well, and and we confided in a lot of, lot of stuff in with Jimmy, and um, um, yep, we did. A, lot, a, lot, a lot of stuff went on behind the scenes that no one knew about, and and so forth, and anyway, um, things are progressing all right, and we won a premiership in 93, that was terrific, and, and then Jimmy's head started getting a little bit big. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you'd walk into a walk into a change rooms, and he wouldn't even say good day, or he's, he's more intent on doing media interviews and all sorts of bloody things. And <laughs> anyway, he, um, he, um, he, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, well, hang on, you know, he's, he's changing here. He's something, something's not right here. This is not the James I I knew was a kid, and and so forth. So we got on a plane to go to play Adelaide, and. And um, those days, you, you, you sat in the alphabetical order, so to be heard, he tailed even long. And I'd be chatting away to Long because Long is a pretty funny bloke. And, and then on the way back, um, heard he said to me, uh, Charlie, how are you going? And I ignored him. And he goes, Charlie, I said, how are you going? I said, what, you're going to talk to me now, are you? And he says, what do you mean? Anyway, for 55 minutes of that trip back from Adelaide, I'll let him have it. And uh, I just, I just told him he was going nowhere, and and uh, I, I don't reckon I've ever spoken to anybody like that before because I was mainly sort of worried about what's going on with this young fella, you know. So uh, is that about right, Jimmy? Can you recall that? Yeah, no, it's exactly right, Charlie. It's one of the best conversations I've ever had with someone. You um, put me right back in my box. I think it was '95. I think it was '95. Uh, we're coming back against Adelaide, and. You spent 55 minutes telling me I was an arrogant so-and-so and I was this and I was that and it didn't change that whatever. And, and you know, I'm really glad. That we, and I think that's one of the great things about Essendon of that time and, and hopefully, you know, still has it that it doesn't matter who you were at the club, um, people put you back in your box and, um, you know, or, or, or helped you out or lifted you up. When you we got too cocky, they pulled you back down. When you, you weren't confident enough, they lifted you back up. But that certainly was a conversation that I remember greatly and you know I think from that moment Charlie we you know we, we reconnected our friendship and um, Charlie was there's a couple of people I had at the club but if there's anything ever anything in my life that I was worried about or um, that you know I was concerned about I'd go and talk to Charlie uh, at training or after training or even up at the even up at the bank up in uh, Keeler Road there um, That's right. We're going to go and have a chat, and uh, yeah, wonderful person. I, I'm, I know I'm not the only player who speaks as highly of him as as I do. I think um, almost the whole Thank list speaks so extremely cool. highly. Very except, cool. except Charlie, we, we were a bit worried in 2005, I think, when we raised money for our footy trip, and you know, we weren't sure. 20 grand went missing, but we weren't sure whether you know we <laughs> the bank manager still have that. But, uh, my, my, my kids are enjoying the pool at the back. <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, thanks very much for, for joining the guys and having a chat. Uh, really appreciate it, and hopefully, footy's not too far away from from coming back, and you can head back to the club. That's great, and Xavier, if, if it if it helps with the budget, I'm happy to to, to um, send back my tracksuit for the year. If that helps. 
<laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Charlie. Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Char- Charlie Italia joining us on Working Through It. Okay, it's your time now. one 800 if you want to get involved. And also, you can do it through Twitter as well. Hashtag 4X5Pod if you want to interact with the guys. Your chance to speak to Xavier Campbell, Joe Watson, and James Hurd. So jump on the phone. Okay, one three hundred six five two nine two seven is the number if you want to have a chat to the guys. Uh, it might be anything. It might be a question pertaining to Essendon, uh, how you're coping with uh, life in isolation, how you're coping without the bombers, or you might also have a friend that's doing it tough and you want to share their story with as well because the guys are here to help. one three hundred six five two nine two seven. Kevin Sheedy, not far away as well. But uh, Gwenda is going to open the batting for us from Bacchus Marsh. Gwenda, welcome to the program. Thanks very much, guys. How are you all? Good, thank you, Gwenda. All good. That's good. Just a question. Um, When you guys obviously, you know, been long-time supporters of the Bombers, grew up supporting the Bombers, if you're in our position, like members, and our passionate, you know, the way we are with the Bombers, how do you guys cope? With, with not watch, we're not being able to watch the bombers, Gwenda. Yeah, like going and supporting them because that—that's sort of. I know a lot of people. Like we've got a, a bomber group, and a lot of us are struggling because we can't go and do our, you know, catch ups of the before game time and stuff, and just supporting the boys because they're—they're our lifeline. Like you know, let's go to the footy and let's let it all out. We've had a rough week, and football is—is is part of that. Let out all our frustrations. So to speak. Yeah, I think it is very difficult, Gwenda. I think that you know, what, whether it's the football club or, or different community groups, find it very hard to, to come together and, and even just talk. And you know, I know a lot of people are getting together on social media, having video calls, having Zoom calls. Um, but but it's not the same. Um, you know, I, I tend to, if, if I want to take my frustration out, put a, a game of Job's on and, and watch him try and kick the ball out of the centre of the ground when I've asked him to handball as a coach. But, but that's, that, that, that's a bit of my, my frustration coming out. But look, to be serious, Gwenda, I think it's a serious issue that the, it's, it's very difficult in these times you don't have a social interaction. And, and I understand how important football is for, for so many people. And look, I think one of the reasons we tried to put this show together was to try and you know, get some interaction between the fans and get some communication. Um, but, but there's no obvious answer, guys. I, I don't know what sort of response you have, but it's, it is a difficult and a realistic situation. And just being able to talk about it, Gwenda, I think, I think helps. Yeah, it, it's like we, um, my son is Essendon supporter and my daughter, she lives here, but she's a Western Bulldog supporter. Don't tell me how that happened. But um, she's struggling too because, like, she plays football as well. So she's lost playing football. She can't go and see the football. So we virtually, you know, go for night walks and whatever. But we're swapping couches every day just to take away the dull routine. Yeah, there's a bit yeah. of that. When you write a message from from a supporter, an email last week, and um, a group of them, I think it was five or six of them, they got to set up a Zoom meeting together, and they all watched the '93 Grand Final. They pressed play at exactly the same point, and they wrote all the bumps together, and they they, they carried on through the goals together, and they reflected on the on the team back there, and they said it was one of the great experiences they'd had. So, 
it's a difficult period, but if there's ways that you can align with other people and other supporters and relive some of those great moments, it's probably a good starting point. Well, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> thanks for that. Terrific, yeah. terrific, Gwenda. Thanks very much for your call. We appreciate it. Giving us a call on 1300 652 We'll try and whip through a few more calls, and Jamie has done just that from Ballarat. Jamie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Hi, good Jamie. Afternoon. Congratulations on uh, the podcast. It's been an uh, interesting time, especially here in Ballarat. Um, family's back for resting all their life, and um, it's good to have some interaction. Good. good Thank you. You. How are you? What are you doing in Ballarat, Jamie? What's, what was your job, and how are you, how are you handling perhaps not being, potentially not being life? able to go to work or stuck at home? Um, so I've been in hospitality all my life. Um, right. My brother and I have just purchased a pub, so we're in the middle of um, in settlement of that, so that could be quite interesting. Um, yeah, so very interesting times for the hospitality industry, that's for sure. Mm. It's definitely one of the hardest hit industries, isn't it? And all the, the hospitality workers out there, you know, the, the way a lot of the casuals, a lot of the owners of of pubs, when you're still going to pay, or, or you're renting a pub, when you're still going to pay rent. When were you um, expecting to open that pub, Jamie? Uh, in four weeks. Right. Well, it's, it's going to be delayed, isn't it? Which is very difficult for you and your, your brother. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Terrific, Jamie. Thanks very much for your call. Thank you. So I've got uh, a couple of uh, text messages or tweets that have come in for you guys before we uh, get to Kevin Sheedy. This one, Job, to you. Um, how, many, how much footy do you watch now? Now you're not playing anymore. How much footy do you actually watch? And particularly from an Essendon perspective. Yeah, I try and watch um, all the Essendon games um, when I can. Um, and uh, I, I really do still really love watching the, the guys play. And um, and it's not only the, the connection and the love that I have for the club, but it's the relationships that I have with those players as well. And you, you want I, I want them to, to be successful. And, um, it, you know, it's hard to, to see losses or guys get hurt and things like that. So... I, I still um, I still really love watching watching Essendon play, and um, you know I grew up being a Bombers supporter my entire life. So I um, you know the, the club is is very close to our heart, and, and I still watch um, all, all the games um, when I can. Okay, a question uh, coming through from James from Mooney Ponds. It's for you, Xavier. With the new uh, facility that's sort of halfway through being built at the moment, how is this potentially going to uh, affect things? in regards to its building. Yeah, sort of back to what I was sort of saying at the start of the show. It's um, We are unique in that position. Where I think we're the only club that has a facility on foot. They're actually you know, partway through the construction. I think uh, our ambition is to, is to finish that, albeit we want to challenge what the scope of that facility looks like within the, the realms of our existing agreement with the builder because it's obviously you know, the, the landscape is going to change for sporting clubs. Um, you know, and what does... How much of the space do we need to allocate to certain areas? We've obviously got our Hall of Fame, which we're really determined to, to deliver. Our dormitory accommodation in that, in that space is really important for our partnership with the Paralympics Australia um, movement and what they're doing, um, as well as our Next Generation Academy zones and things like that. But there's still... They still, still just don't know what the future of NGAs looks like. We want to understand what the state league competition is going to look like because that will lead a lot of the decisions that we make around our facility. Obviously, we had our view of what that looked like you know, three or four weeks ago, and that's got to shift. So we're just going to need some flexibility. So it might be that we stagger certain areas of the completion out to allow us to be able to you know, sort of pivot 
where we need to to create um, more appropriate and relevant outcome. And a question here, this is for you, Hurdy, from Sarah from Burwood. She wants to know, who is your favourite player to coach? Favourite player to coach? Oh, it's difficult. It's a difficult. Uh, Joe, Joe, to be honest, was, was very high up that list, except remember, Joe, what are, the first time you got the hands on the ball, every time in the centre square, the start of the game, <laughs> what, what did you want to do and what did I want you to do? <laughs> we used to argue about this all the time, didn't we? Because you wanted me to yep. kick it and I wanted yes. to just make the, re- the best decision possible, which is um, at my discretion, and which I Campbell, used to tell you all the time. To the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, had, you had a very soft spot for Hep. Um, you know, like he came yeah, in and he no. was rising star the first year and, uh, you know, incredible and did everything right and, uh, and then you, you, but you also liked the rat bags as well. You had a soft spot for, I remember, you know, like Tommy Bell and Hooksy, you, you had a real soft spot for those two too. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, and I did like, I did like coaching Courtney Dempsey. I just thought, um, and he was a bit of a rat bag as well, but he, um, he could just do something special when he got the ball and, uh, you never knew knew what you were going to get, and when he made a mistake, he'd come up to you and he'd say, "I'm sorry." He'd, he'd look guilty, and he'd he'd almost the way he'd say "sorry," get him out of getting doing something wrong. But no, I really enjoyed um, coaching a lot of those boys, and you know, still uh, obviously uh, very you know, feel very close to a lot of them. But um, it's very hard not to not to get close to your players when you you know you're in it with them. And um, but we had uh, you know we had a lot of very good people. Um, to to coach, I always like watching uh, Hurls play as well. I thought he always gave um, out on the field more so than on the training track. He always gave uh, gave his all. Well, I think it's an appropriate <laughs> question from Sarah because uh, our next guest uh, coached both of you. It is Kevin Sheed, and he'll join us next on Working Through It. Essendon winning their first flag since 1965. That was 1984 when Kevin Sheedy coached Essendon to victory in a premiership for the first time. One of four with the red and black, and he joins us now and working through it. Kevin Sheedy, welcome to the program. Gentlemen, how are you? Hello, coach. Good, Sheedy. How are you going? So we got Heard and Joe, is it? That's right. How are you going? How can we call one a surname and the other one a Christian name? It's unbelievable. I'm good. You've also got, you've also got the CEO who pays you, pays your wages too, heard, so you I might have to be nicer to him. Bloke. He's too young. He looks about 26. I can't believe he's the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a while. I reckon I've aged a fair bit in these six and a half years. You'd have him under your little finger like you had every other CEO too, wouldn't you, Steve? You'd be controlling him, doing everything you want? No, no. I stay out of his way. He's a catastrophe, that bloke. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got the looks, but I'm worried about the uh, inside that head. I'm not quite. <laughs> Can we be serious for a minute, Coach? I know you're going to go down some some strange paths. So I'm having a bit of fun. Can I just be serious with you now? You are in that, that dangerous area, right? The over-70s, the people that we have to take care of and make sure they're staying at home. Are you doing the right thing and not, not leaving home? Look, I um, actually, they shut the botanical gardens down and I thought, well, I'll build my own botanical botanic gardens. So, um, no, I'm in the garden most of the time, boys. But you and Geraldine are well and the, and the family's well? We're well, but I'm in the garden by myself. I'd rather be by myself. <laughs> 
41 years of marriage, and the only problem with Mr. Flowers is starting to talk back to me. <laughs> what questions are you asking the machine? <laughs> um, was heard any good? I said, of course he was. He, he just, you know, he just did his own thing and turned up at the right time. That's fair. So, uh, That's fair. Sh- sh- Herdy and I did some research, um, and we were talking about some of the questions we might ask, and, and we thought we'd try and ask questions that we hadn't heard answers to before um, from your shoes. So um, I, I'm going to go with the first one. Um, what, uh, so, Joe, looking back on up to the play day. I'm trying to. Let, well, let, let's see how it goes. I, I want to know, you, I've never heard you talk about what was the most painful loss that you've ever coached in. Because, uh, you, you, like, you had – there was grand finals, and I've heard the story about after the 99 prelim and take, making the guys watch the the, uh, the game uh, the following week at the grand final. But would that – is that the most painful loss as, as the coach of, of the footy club that you've had? Well, I had a lot. Um, I think after uh, – uh, look, I tend to think 99 was annoying – because the ball spins like an off-spinner. We're in the grand final. It does a leg break, and you're out of the grand final. That's the curious kick. That's 99, preliminary final. But, gee, the second semi-final, 84, was a great game between Essendon and Hawthorne. And, you know, it was just, uh, I think, about two points down, and he just gets a goal on the siren. And Because uh, we wouldn't have had to, basically, you know, it was a great game. We had to go back to a preliminary final and wobble through to a premiership. But, you know, you like to win the great games. And I think that at that one stage, I thought that was the greatest game I've nearly been involved in. Uh, that was the second semi, 1984, and we lost it. Yeah. And Sheeds, you, um, you coached against some amazing coaches and that, the generations you, you spanned. The other thing I haven't really... I've heard you talk about one coach that you dislike, but... Uh, the, the coaches that you know come to mind, Jeans, uh, Matthews, Park and Pagan, um, Malthouse, who who were the out of that group, who was your greatest rival? Like who did you see as your greatest rival and and, and probably the best coach that you coached against? Well, Lee beat me in two grand finals, so he's he's um, he's now me to the fence, to be honest. Um, that was obviously nineteen ninety and um, we had to wait a an extra week, so it was a three-week wait, and that was a very difficult situation because no one had ever been placed in that predicament. So, so at the result, he's the difficult one to beat. Obviously, you know, that was a pretty good side up in Brisbane in 2000 onwards sort of thing. So, uh, But I thought Robert Walls was a very, very good coach. Very good coach. He always coached. Difficult teams. When he finally got to a reasonably good club like um, reasonably good club like Carlton, um, he won a premiership. And as soon as he won the premiership, Carlton sacked him. So that's amazing. They're amazing, Bob Carlton. But anyway, so he was a very intelligent, smart coach, uh, Robert Walls. Um, didn't really want to be beaten by Malthouse because we're teammates at Richmond. So I don't like Nick trying to you know, win over my club Essendon. So that was always the competitiveness that we we threw in. Dennis was pretty fortunate to get in the end of that job at North Melbourne, but he won two previous four grand finals and they didn't even want him to catch the seconds year, a few years earlier. So North Melbourne Essendon got Dennis Pagan up out of... He was nearly going to coach, I think, 
Sandringham or one of those teams in the under 18s. Anyway, so he was a very good coach, Dennis. You know, he got what, what he had with these players, he got the best out of them. And, uh, so he got the four grand finals. And, um, James, we, we, we overcome Alan. He, he was a damn good coach, obviously. Um, and only his illness probably stopped him winning more premierships because, um, in the end, uh, you know, he had an assistant coach come in and win two premierships while he wasn't well, Alan Joyce. So that's quite an age because Owen Joyce won two premierships, I think, in less than 100 games. So, look, there were that many great, wonderful coaches. Um, I never disliked any of them. I just wanted to be ferociously competitive and and let my team and everybody know about that, that, that we're in a competitive mongrel market here. Don't dance around being nice and I make sure that if wants going to be a lovely, nice, witty club at that time. And Sheeds, um, the, the 150th year of Essendon, uh, I think, it's, is coming up. And uh, yeah. there's, there's been a lot of video recording done of a lot of your ex-players. And oh, well, thanks. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, an in, there's, a, there's an excerpt we'd like to play, and we'll play it and then get your comments about a remote control that uh, appeared at a, at a video session during a, after training one night. It was a Thursday night. Um, Thursday nights are always very long. We train till 8.30. We'd have dinner till 9.30, into the meeting room, announce the team, uh, quick video, which normally should go for 15 minutes, but Sheeds would get carried away, and they'd go for 30, 35, 40. So Kevin Walsh said, uh, I'm going to do something about this. Um, checked out what remote was being used for the, uh, uh, the VCR and uh, brought in his own. Checked it. Yep, it worked. Put it in his pocket, and uh, so when we went at 9.30 for the, the team meeting, she starts the short video, but Kenny Betts was our property steward, and Kenny would always load the video up. Put it in, ready sheets, here we go. And Kenny wasn't the smartest man in the world. He certainly wasn't an IT guru. So, so Sheeds got about five minutes in, fast forward, replay, fast forward, replay, fast forward, replay, and then Spitter just went fast forward, just left on fast forward, and then stopped. And the sheet's going, what? Shit, 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 shit. And he looked at Kenny. Kenny, what's fucking wrong with this machine? And Kenny's going, that, 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 bang, bang, bang. It's all good, Sheets. It's all good. So, so Spitter let him give him another two minutes and then bang, fast forward. Off she go again. And, Kenny, 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 what the? And uh, Kenny by then left the room. He couldn't, there's too much stress. And then, and then, but Sheets is not an idiot. He did it one more time, fast forward, and he just went, which one of you bastards has got a remote? <laughs> and the Spitter went, <laughs> And to his credit, he just laughed. You bastard. Get out of here. <laughs> so uh, it was very good. Very good. So, Sheez, before you say anything, who's the player telling the story? Uh, the player telling the story. Jesus. Yeah. Who, who was just telling that story? An unusual person, sort of, actually. Um, it wasn't Frank Donnell, was it? No, it was one of the Danahers. Oh, um, Anthony, was it? Yeah, it was Anthony. Anthony Danaher sent that in for us. Thanks. So, was that normal for you to go forever in a video meeting? I didn't think your meetings used to go that long. Look, I think that some of you players that are very well in uh, entrancing your intelligence about football still needed to learn. A lot of players aren't as good as your, your talent uh, level, James. So other players have to really learn to make you look good. 
So the videos are often done for other players to help you look good. So suck it up, mate. So the question is, I do think you have concentration. Now, I used to time you at 3.5. 25 seconds, your concentration span went straight out the window. But I've still got to actually coach points of interest in a game for other people to listen and watch so they can learn. And I, I don't mean to hurt your feelings in the but the deal in the end is uh, 3.25 seconds is a very ordinary performance of concentration. No, I think that's fair, Seeds. It's fair criticism. Oh, mate, don't even worry about it. We nearly nailed it to every meeting. And James was like saying, Kate, you're late again. And I said, that's because I love keeping you here, darling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't even worry about that. Oh. I could talk about you what, guys. What about, the, uh, what about the other bloke on the... What about the other bloke on the line? What was he like to coach, Mr. Watson? Joe? Yes. Joe turned up fairly, and he could have owned a donut, Patrick. Honestly, he was overweight <laughs> and he was frustrating to coach. And, of course, in the end, made a fantastic player of himself because his father must have pulled him aside, I think, one day and said, listen, you're going to have to be a very Spartan entertainer. You're going to have to find another level because at the moment this coach is going to get rid of you and the next coach might keep you. But whatever happened between, you know, when I left and Matthew Knights come in, uh, that was the, honestly the first steps of Joe being the wonderful player that he uh, performed at. I remember that. having some conversations right with you, Sheets. Oh, thank you. I remember, like, you know, we, we had, a, I guess, some, we butted heads on a few occasions, but one of the things that I, I, I was always inspired by you to play, you know, like I always, um, I always felt that you were an incredible motivator um, of players and, and always were able to, you know, when I ran out there after hearing you speak and talk, I always wanted to play for you. And um, and I remember you saying to me, "Look, if you, if you don't have pace, you've got to be incredibly tough, um, skillful, and smart if you're going to make it." And um, and you were right. You know, like that that is what you need to do if you, if you don't have that attribute of speed. And um, I, I did um, I, I did take a lot from um, from your coaching, so I, I did enjoy it. Um, even though we, we all we didn't always yeah, speak the same language, about him, but you are a very taller version of Greg Williams, except yeah. for his foot disposals was better than yours. But your thinking, mm. your vision, your hands are quite brilliant. Not over possessed with speed, much like a lot of us. Um, I just need you to get you to chisel that body down and lose a few donuts, mate. And you did it. Well done. <laughs> it took some time. <laughs> he, he certainly did. He certainly did do it and became a, an excellent, a very, very good player. No doubt. No doubt about that. Keep firing. Give us your best shot. They're only being sort of lollies. Come on. Shoes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanted to know who, who, um, which player you, you, you had the softest spot for. Do you think, in reflection, who, who did you let a gut let a let get away with more than what you, you really should have. <laughs> oh, by a hundred miles, Vander. <laughs> yeah, I actually realised at the end of my career that I never coached him. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you ever have the, that situation where he, he's done something and you thought, I really should pull him up here, but I just can't now. I've gone too far. Oh, no, no. I had him off the ground one day. He nearly killed about three of my... Well, nearly killed... Um, 
ball came in, it was a very tall Essendon forward line up at Windy Hill, and down the, you know, the grandstand end was Essendon's ground shaped like an egg, wide pockets in the out, not not that it's a big ground, but but very tapered pockets in around the grandstand, which is like an amphitheatre. And of course, I've got a forward line of Salmon, Merritt, Terry Danaher, Van der Haar, Watson, and of course a bloke called Lezard who thought he was a better mark than the bloody lot of them. So it is quite amazing that the Hollywood ego is floating everywhere in that forward line. But Vander, the flying Dutchman, everybody called him, jumped about five deep in the pack. Need Roger Merritt, one of my favourites, in the head. On the way down, Tim Watson in the face and landed on Terry Danaher, the captain. I thought, just get him off the ground now. That is it. And I am just uh, not a very good one. He's telling me to simmer down front, simmer down front. And um, anyway, we've got to a couple of goals ahead by quarter time. It was only in the first 15 minutes because this was about 1983. And I was just livid, you know, anyway. So half time we're about four up, mate. We are seven up a three quarter time, and uh, the phone rang, and I thought, "Who's this?" And I thought it must have been a fire in the grandstand or an ambulance or a police. But the phone never rang in my box ever. So Don, who tells Don, tells me to pick it up, I so I pick it up and hello, who's this? And. Uh, the person on the other end of the phone says to me, Is that you, boss? I said, Who's this? Vanda. I said, What do you want? I said, I just want to let you know I'm still available. <laughs> Five minutes into the last quarter, so you get the bloke's note, take the big out. Never expected that phone call from the best ever. First time ever. And she's. <laughs> Seeds, what do you um, what, what do you think of today's team? Like, what what do you you when you go every week, you watch them every week, and you, you yeah. know, you're part of the club now. But at, give us a you know, give us the the off the record. What do you think of today's team? And if you were coaching, what would you um, what, what would you? We're going to toughen up, okay? What would you do? What would you do to get us from? Well, we finish six up to first. Well, I think you know you need a Wallace, you need a Harvey, you need a Merritt, okay? Whatever end of the green you want to be. And I know that's not that played in the way these days as much, but you still need men of steel just to make sure that when. And, and look, you know, Archer at North Melbourne's a classic example. They're the sorts of players you need to keep working at, trying to bring into your club. And we've got enough talent there with um, on the list. We just need to get correctly three hard nosed people, two either in the ground and one on the ball. And uh, and the other wrestling talent too. And how you get them and where you find them, that's up to the recruiting department. So that's obviously Adrian's job to do. And um, go and get them. Mm. I, I remember being at the uh, 93 um, prelim. Um, I was up in the, in the stands watching. Um, and it's this very famous um, halftime um, address um, that you gave to the players, I think 40, 42 or 44 points down, to Adelaide at half time, um, can you can you just enlighten us about what the the words of wisdom were at, at this half time address? And I know Herdy's keen to, to give his uh, thoughts on what he heard, but can you can you tell the audience what the delivery was? Well, I thought Mark Thompson was uh, fantastic the way he got the group of players coming off the ground. Um, 
my point of view, I just want to let our players know that Adelaide felt they won the grand final already. Won, won the, they're in the grand final already, okay? The way they walked off the ground, the way their staff walked off the ground, I felt they were very happy with a result that was seven goals ahead at half time. And this game, as we all know, is never over. Um, I accidentally watched the uh, comeback the other week against North Melbourne. I hadn't seen that for a decade or so. But, you know, what you try to get through to your players, you just remember you haven't got one or two or three and how they take them individually because they're all different individuals anyway. I, I know specifically that I put up a lot of happy faces and that was Adelaide, um, on the whiteboard, that is. But I'd love to hear what James felt, what he could remember, because his concentration span was very limited. <laughs> so I often get this story mixed up with a couple of others because I think I'd lost concentration at halftime in that game. But I, I, I do, I do want to um, go back to a point Joe made about your, about your ability to motivate us and get us going in a game during a game and before a game and at, you know at, at training. And the game you highlighted, the 2001 game against North Melbourne around 16, I don't think that speech you gave at quarter time um, and then at half time has been, has been given enough credit because that is one that stands out in my mind as being, if not your best, one of your best. And I don't know if you remember, but I think we were, we weren't the whole 69 points down or 60 odd points down at that stage, but we were, we were 50 odd. And you came out to us and, and basically, very simply said, I know you're thinking about all the mistakes you made. I know you're thinking about everything that you've done wrong and how the game's lost and how you've you've lost to your arch rival, you know, which North Melbourne were. I mean, North Melbourne at that stage were, were our arch rival and they'd beaten us up and through the period. But you came out and you said, this is how we're going to simplify it. We're going to kick five, four goals in this quarter, kick six goals in the next quarter and kick five in the next and we're going to win the game. We're not going to try and win the game in this quarter. We're going to break it down and this is what you need to do, Carousel. This is what you need to do, Heffernan. This is what you need to do, Heard. And basically goes all little tasks and said, I don't want you to, to, to try and beat them in this quarter. Just break it down the little segments of the game. And, um, and then talked about the rivalry and what they're thinking over there and the fact that you know they'd be smiling and how, how can you let North Melbourne smile, this team that you know we, we've... We've been beaten up so often against, um, and that basically gave every player their little goal and their target, and also something to hang on to. And to me, that was that was your greatest um, sort of quarter time or half time speech because we all worked away from the huddle, knowing exactly what we needed to do, um, exactly how how many goals we needed to kick, and, and where we needed to be at half time, then quarter time, and, and uh, sorry, three quarter time, at the end of the game, and and that to me was you know one of Sheeds' greatest skills. He could identify the problem give us a solution, made us all believe in that solution, and then, um, you know, he's pretty good at picking pretty good players to go on the ground who could complete that, that side of things. Do you remember that, that speech, Sheeds, the 2001 speech? Well, it was a very difficult situation, to be honest, because John Barnes said the pre-match talk. I know he didn't catch that day because I was in, I was in real trouble. Uh, I was at Doc Reed's home very ill, which nobody would know about. Um and so I'll just throw to a player to talk about what they thought. And John had come back from Geelong and helped us win a premiership and magnificent performance in the ruck. So I just threw it a bit wild. I'm pretty sure that was the day anyway. So 
that's the last time I ever let us play a speech before a game ever again. But oh, look, I think the only way to, to get out of a difficult situation in the game is definitely never be negative and to give the person... And I had a wonderful coach, Tom Hazen. He was a very inspirational person, along with people like Alan Swab and Graham Richard. But when you have positive people around you that can see a possible chance to get a better performance for the next 90 minutes, and just remember, a 90 minutes is three quarters, say, that's a whole soccer game. That's 10 minutes longer than an NRL game. So we've got time to win games in, in AFL. A lot of people don't recognise that. So to me, I think it's something that we should look at when we talk to coaches and develop coaches, that this is one of the great areas of our game that we don't sort of instruct young coaches. 120 minutes is a long time to play footy. And uh, to me, um, I used to always believe that, you know, and I always used to show videos, in particular, you know, Debbie Flintoff winning. She was sixth at the halfway mark in a gold medal. Sixth. Of eight, but the half. Who won she? Because I haven't seen that video very often. Yeah, <laughs> it's kept in your head anyway. Yeah, uh, to me, to me, to me, uh, there's a lot of great ways to tell stories, and obviously, the best storyteller in the world was Walt Disney. Sheets, <laughs> who wins? Who wins between the 1985 Premiership team and the 2000 Premiership team? Probably 85, because they've been. The three grand finals, one, two, and they were pretty ruthless. And I know uh, and she tagged her out of the game, so that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and six up a couple of other sort of, you know, players. Yeah. Who would you who would you play on Lloydy? Would you play Roger Merritt on Lloydy or would you play uh, Terry Danaher or who would you play Weston? Who would you play on Lloydy? Um, who would I play in Lloyd? Yeah, out of, out of your 85 team, which which thug would you play in Lloydie? Um, out of the 85 side? Probably Duckworth. Okay, so Lloydie'd have, uh, have a broken nose by, what, 10 minutes into the first quarter? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I'd get him to take the plaster of Paris out to fix it too, just to make sure he's feels comfortable with it. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't talk about Lloyd. He ended up the Velvet Sweet Chef. So, you know, don't ask what they think of Matthew Lloyd in the end. Oh. Well, we're hoping to have him on next week, Sheed, so he's got to write a reply, so, so it'd be Dude, nice Lloyd. to him. Yeah. Uh, Sheed, I want to just go back That's to... Um, the, the, if, you, if you want to talk about my most embarrassing, <laughs> looking back in my history, I cannot believe Matthew Lloyd never won a business first. I just think, you know, that's incredible. Oh, they're going to <laughs> well, at least Scotty Lucas has got two, and he's got that over Lordy when they're starting to sit down, at, you know, having a barbecue, chatting about their careers. lordy has got his 926 goals, and, and Scotty says, well, I've, I've got my two piston trails, so suck it up. Well, that's our first question next week, Lordy. To Lordy, Joe, can you believe you didn't win the best and fairest? How you going, boys? Do you enjoy it? There's a podcast in that that question alone, Hurdy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I've got to get off the line. I'm telling you too much. Yeah. <laughs> about listening, and I love it when the bombers tune in and have a listen to our our chat show. This is this is actually a fantastic idea. 
Sheets, I just want to um, play a clip of, of the recruitment of Herdy um, and uh, and get your thoughts on it. Um, and just uh, it's part of the the podcast series that the, the, the clubs put up on with Adrian Dodoro. So just have a listen to this. We're in a room making the decision about the under nineteen players going onto the senior list. And I clearly remember a lot of people in the room thinking that Herdy wasn't going to be good enough to be an AFL player, and Sheets was clearly the last person in, to make uh, to give his opinion, and he said. You never sack the grandson of the man whose name's on the social club. And and he went on to be a phenomenal player. Well, it's, it's, um, look, I know that uh, a lot of things are said about James getting recruited, but really the the, uh, the person you could think is Brian Donohoe, to be honest. All I had to do was deliver the call. Well, it was the right call in the end. Exactly. <laughs> I, do, I do remember. I, I don't know if it was a if it was a Thursday night or a Wednesday. I think it was a Thursday night back in 1991, about October, November. Sheeds when the list. Remember the list went from um, having the under 19s, the reserves, and the senior list. There probably about 80 or 90 players around the club, down to a 52. That was a 52 team list, and, and I remember. There was five or six of us who, you know, didn't know whether we were still going to be on the list or whether we were going to get cut. And hanging on the phone, um, waiting for those lists to get announced uh, late on a Thursday or a Friday night, and it was uh, it was nerve wracking. And uh, yeah, very thankful that that you were my coach and, and not someone else, and you, you stuck by me because I think from what from what I understood, it was a it was a fifty fifty decision. So, um, and I'm glad you were scared of my grandfather. That's probably what got me across the. I like him. I thought he tried to yeah. get me to coach Essendon in 76, so at least I owed him that. <laughs> it, swung back around, it swung back around. The winds of, of, of uh, times change, yes. And, uh, but look, the thing about your grandfather, James, is he's a serious, good, thinking football person. And I learned a hell of a lot from him in the very, very short time that I got to be able to talk to him often, but... He was succinct. He made the point and went straight to you. And it was like an arrow. And I thought to myself, I hadn't met... Probably Graham Richmond is the one person that would make that comment at Richmond. And I think your grandfather is the only person probably I met at Essendon. Not that he was at the club, but he was obviously an observer of the club that he loved too. Yeah, he, lo- he loved the club and was absolutely passionate about it and uh, mm. and worked very hard for the club. But, yeah, there's no doubt he was ruthless when he needed to be. Uh, he, uh, he certainly <laughs> very made sure Very similar bloodline to you. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have thought so, Sheeds, but anyway. Oh, come on, James. There's blood all over your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only, only when we got rid of that coach back... Well, when we got rid of that coach back in 2007, that's the only blood on my hands, remember that was a joke. Sheets. Yeah, but it's okay. It's all dried up, and we're happy, aren't we? There we are. Yeah. We are. yeah. It's only a decision, you know. Then That's I, right. Then I went yeah, we got, we got, club we got some audio of all um, the giants. Sheets, we've got some audio of um, just the last one before we probably have to we have to move on because this this podcast is going to be the longest in history. But there's some audio of, of Adrian talking about Job. That'd be nice to get your thoughts on. Oh, anyway, I remember saying to Sheeds, Sheeds, we've got a bit of a conundrum here. This this kid Watson's not bad, but I don't know if he can run. You know, he's, you know, he was like a baby giraffe. He had arms and legs going everywhere, and 
he seemed really uncoordinated, yet he had this knack of finding the footy. So Vic Metro played South Australia at the MCG, and I took Sheeds along with me. And after one quarter of watching him play, Sheeds turned around and he said, right, well, you've got your father's son, we're taking him. And he left. <laughs> that was it. So, And that was in about June of that year we made the decision. And I think a few weeks later we, um, we announced to the world that we were taking him as a father's son. Is that how it happened, Sheets? Yeah, basically. Um, I, I'm <laughs> always, I'm always of a person that like to keep the history of the clubs rolling, you know. And um, so that's why I went and got the other two Danhers. You know what I mean? Like, you got Terry and Neil, go and get the other two. If you got a father, son, and Job, in the end, he was a very, very good footballer. I mean, I've seen him play crazy. Play all that often. Um, I think it was Sandy Dragons, was it, Joe? Yeah, uh, yep. A couple of games there. But I don't know whether I was always convinced whether you're going to be a champion, Joe. I'll be honest. I no. can't believe how good you actually become. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, you've actually done pretty well. I sincerely honestly think you've got a bit of a bit of Kevin no, Sheedy, yeah, Kevin Sheedy, thanks very much for joining us. It's been terrific to, to have you on and just sitting back and listening to you talk to the guys. I know a lot of Essendon fans out there would have thoroughly enjoyed the last half hour or so. Thanks for spending some time with us. Lovely, and uh, say hello to all the fans that have listened and uh, encourage other people to come on and uh, have a listen also. Cheers. Terrific. Kevin thanks Sheedy. Much. The legendary coach of the Essendon Football Club, as I said earlier, four premierships, so many games for the Red and Black as coach and uh, coach of both Job and also James. Now, we've got one more very important thing to get through. We'll do that next. You're listening to Working Through It on the Essendon website. Somehow emerges, little toe poke to his own advantage, kick in behind the defence, taken by Garland, can he outrun Fletcher? No siree! Okay, so we've got time now for the mighty moment. It's thanks to Coles Insurance, as we said last week, uh, Coles Insurance, the new sport uh, short sponsor of the Bombers in 2020. And uh, this is the mighty moment this week that we want uh, both James and also uh, Job to uh, reflect back on. I'm sure we all remember this one. Fletcher to bring it back into play. Goes straight down the middle. Lovely kick, almost to the centre of the ground. Williams waits at the back, but it's uh, to his opposite number, Denham. In the middle. Now Michael Long. Look at this boy go. Away goes Michael Long. 50 metres out. Still going. 30 metres out. We might never know whether it was touched on the line, but uh, Herdy, you were out there watching and playing. Uh, what was that moment like and just what was it like playing with Michael Long when he was doing things like that on the field? Yeah, well, I was doing more watching than playing at that stage in the game. But uh, look, a couple of um, short backstories. That year was a difficult year for Longy. I think he'd been suspended or reported um, a couple of times in the first half of the year. Um, 
and, and basically because he was responding to a lot of racist comments. I mean, that's when racism was, was really around the football and you'd, you'd stand next to him and hear opposition players give it to Longy um, about, you know, his, his origin and about some of his family. And, and most of the time he didn't respond, but a couple of times he did and, and decked a couple of guys and, and copped a couple of weeks um, in that first half of the year. And I remember Sheeds uh, saying something to him in a team meeting that, you know, Longy, we need to see you on the field, not off the field, and, and really performing. And, and his second half of the year that year was, was pretty spectacular. His final series was amazing. And coming into that game, we'd, we'd been beaten by Carlton in the second semi, I think, and, and were, you know, we're probably, um, they were favourites. But, you know, Calthorpe, Masiti, Denham, O'Donnell really got on top um, in the middle of the ground. But, but then when Longy got the ball um, through the ground, um, he just cut Carlton up. And, and that goal was, was, one of, was really what broke Carlton's back. And even in the first quarter, you could see their heads go down and, and think that it wasn't their day. But what a game, what a player. And you know, talk about the favourite players to coach. Well, favourite players to play with Michael Long was, was definitely right up there as a person and, and just an absolutely spectacular player who who I don't think any one of his teammates had a bad word to say about because he was just such a great team man but could do things that, that no one else could. And then, Joe, to you, the I guess the legacy of Michael Long to the next generation of which you were part of, what, what does Michael Long mean to you as a, a former Essendon captain? Well, I think it, it, it translates, you know, not only what he did on the football field but what he's been able to do for the football club and, and for all of Australia after his football um you know, career finished. And I remember going to nearly every game um, uh, in 93 because it was dad's comeback year, you know, and being there and watching all those games and the excitement of it. And and then I think one of my favourite moments of the season is the the footage in the the 93 grand final where Longy sort of, um, you know, calling on the Carlton guys to to come at him and try and tackle him. And he just runs around them, you know, like it's just a fantastic, um, what he was able to do as a player and you know you see the, the statue every time that you walk into the club of, of Longy at the front of the, the football club and, and you, it just shows you what he's done um, you know for the entire not only Indigenous community but all of Australians because it, he's been able to, to open up the eyes of, of all um, Australians about um, you know what it means to be an Aboriginal person in, in this country and, and not just what he was able to do on the field but what he's been able to do off it and, and it, the, the football club is incredible incredibly lucky to have someone like him who just had happened to play for them because of, of what he's done um, for all of Australia after his, his career's finished. Yeah, well said, and it's a fantastic uh, Cole's uh, mighty moment. Now, before we get to the final observations, and I know Xavier's really keen to talk about the 150th uh, anniversary of the Essendon Football Club, I talked before about the, the, the terrific interactivity on the Essendon website, and one of those is actually being able to call these magic moments, and uh, that is exactly what Nick Davis did, and this is his uh, thoughts on how the Michael Long goal should be called from back in that 1993 grand final. So the youngster from Penley Essendon Grammar to bring it in and what a hoof it is. Straight into the middle of the ground, Dustin Fletcher. And now Denham, he's picked it up off the back of the pack. Hands over the top, Michael Long. He's got a bit of space to work with. Gets the handy Shepherd. He's got a paddock. Long, he keeps going. He's closing in towards goals. Can he finish on grand final day? Touch of the line. Is it? Is it? No, it's not. Stephen Silvani pleads with the goal umpire, but the goal will stand. And Michael Long, what did we just witness in game 102? He's put the Bombers ahead, 2-3-15. 
Carlton just a single behind. The Bombers go coast to coast. And Michael Long, one of the greatest runs we have ever seen on Grand Final Day. Not bad. Not bad at all <laughs> That's there. Fantastic. From, uh, from Nick Davis. Not the Nick Davis uh, from the Swans and the Magpies, but uh, the commentator. And when it comes to mighty moments, thanks to Coles Insurance. Now, there is another opportunity on the website at the moment at essendonfc.com.au, and I think it's the Joe Danaher Mark of the Year. So uh, jump on the website and have a go and see whether you can do as good a job as what uh, Nick Davis has done. But it is time to wrap things up. And Xavier, I'm going to let you start things off when it comes to your final observation. Yeah, thanks, Whitey. I mean, it's, I don't think it should be lost on anyone. The the one statue we've got at our football club is of Michael Long, and it's uh, it's not an on-field moment. It's someone that's uh, sort of transcended the boundaries of the footy club. But just as Joe mentioned, his work in the community for his people um, is something that uh, our football club is very proud of. And when you when you walk in the entrance at, out here at um, at the NEC hangar, um, that's the first thing you see, and it's um, it'll take pride of place on the expanded footprint as well. Um, a couple of those those audio clips there that we played earlier from our um, our 150th documentary that uh, Dave Barham's played a big role. Dave is the ex-head of Sport Channel 10, strong television guy and current board members played a really big role in helping us bring sort of seven hours together. Now it'll be a two to three part documentary and, and some of that uh, audio that you listened to before is, is just cut up straight from that, um, which will perhaps be the one of the most emotional and unique sort of telling of the history of a sporting club in this country. You know, we've, I think a lot of people have played a role, and I think we've had about 50 or 60 interviews throughout, and that's something that will be released uh, next year um, as we lead into our 150th year, which is, which is really, really exciting. I guess my, uh, my final comment, Whitey, would be um, thanks to our fans. Thanks to your patience. Um, you know, it's, it's not a season that we expect right now, um, but... Yeah, we have to wait and sort of see where we get to and, and, and we, we need you more than we've ever needed you and thanks for all your support and for, for your notes to the footy club and everything else like that. Like it doesn't it doesn't go unnoticed. We're very, very lucky to have that supporter base. So later this month on about the twenty seventh of April we expect an update from the AFL. Um, briefing from Gill to all of the clubs about what the next phase looks like and the options in front of the clubs and the AFL about what a season the delivery of a season might look like and we look forward to updating our fans then and, and letting them know what that sort of what those options look like and what the season in 2020 might look like for everyone but uh, I just wanted to say thanks for all our fans what about you Joe yeah I think it's um, touching on what Gwenda talked about um, earlier on about you know what not being able to share the the community element of, of the club and what um, football is to people and, and how it can help people um, and that connection that they get from from football and understanding that it, it's not the same but in these circumstances um, football can still play an enormous part in helping to connect people and and it might be watching games from previous previous years um, and sharing that with each other but um, when when it does come back, it's going to be just so exciting to be able to have that um, you know connection with with other fans and supporters, and have football be the the, the catalyst for for those relationships to be reformed. Um, and uh, it might take a little while, but it's going to come there. And I think people, I'm certainly going to appreciate more. Um, you know, being able to go to the footy at, at some stage and and cheer and watch the games and. And I'm excited to, you know, to for all listeners supporters to be able to do that eventually as well. And Herdy, you can uh, finish things off. Yeah, just thanks to everyone for listening. Um, you know, hopefully we're 
keeping everyone entertained and, and yeah, take care of yourself. Uh, another week in isolation or social distancing from all of us. Take care of each other and the whole essence of community and hopefully we'll talk to you next week. But as I said, as everyone's trying to do, keep away from each other and also take care, as silly as that sounds. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, Xavier, you want to say a bit more? Yeah, I was going to say, Whitey, and this is something that Job and, and um, Jim myself have been speaking about the last few weeks. What we'd love between now and next week, we would love for the fans to think about someone who's doing it hard. So someone who, in isolate, doing isolation by themselves, they might be in a high-risk category, they've been a member for years and years, they're struggled, they, they find it difficult to go and you know, get their groceries and bits and pieces. I mean, with our partnership with Coles, we would love to play a part, a role in helping them out there. And uh, Tim Watson, Simon Madden are keen to be the delivery men to help us out within all the, the parameters of the, of the um, current social distancing. So they might have to wave from the front fence or something like that when they drop it off. But we would, we would love to hear from and love for our fans to think about someone that they know that, that might fit that category. Um, because Coles are, Coles are really right behind this. Um, the past players are right behind it. Obviously, Job and Hurdy, it's, it's, it's their brainchild. So... It'd be love to love love to hear from the fans around who they think might be might be a, a real good recipient of that. Absolutely, we'll uh, certainly investigate totally right. that uh, further next week, uh, guys. Uh, thanks very much for that. We'll we'll do it all again next week. Thank you, Xavier thanks, Cavill, Xavier. Joe Watson, and also James Hurd. And I mentioned before there are so many things on the Essendon website, EssendonFC.com.au. We talked before about the commentary that uh, your call from home. I reckon that's a beauty. It's uh, thanks to Amart. And each week, fans can enter and we'll play the best commentary on working through it next week. So that uh, website again, essendonfc.com.au. You know what it is because you're actually on it at the moment listening to us. We hope you enjoy the week, whatever it is you're doing in isolation. We'll catch you next week. Working through it. Thanks to the Essendon Footy Club.